You know, so we've been talking this last week about created and, and called to serve. And, and this week, I, I really want us to be thinking about what does it mean to be designed and prepared to serve? And what does that look like for us in a culture, if you think about it, in a culture where when you turn on the TV or you go and watch a movie or you um, uh, will open a newspaper or listen to the radio or, or grab a magazine... Always, I think the message that are coming towards us again and again is consume. We are consumed with a consumer-based driven culture. It says get, take, buy, eat, experience. Don't stop till you get enough and we'll give you even more ways to do it, right? That's the message that's constantly being bombarded on people all the time. But contrary to these kind of ads and, and, and these um, voices that are bombarding us throughout the week and throughout our day, you and I were not created just to consume resources. Breathing and eating and, and the space you take up on this planet is for a deeper purpose. We're not in this some evolutionary chain merely to kind of consume so that we can somehow preserve and develop further. When you really look at the Word of God and it talks about His creative purposes and you read it through Genesis and you follow it throughout Scripture, life grows in meaning as you discover exactly who you are and how God has created you and wired you. And that process is not about just consumption, it's about contribution. In fact, ultimately, you and I were put on this earth to make a contribution. And all the messages you hear, consume, 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 often are contrary to the very message that is wired within us where we have been called, even in Genesis, work was something inherently good. Serving was something that we were created to do. And every day, as we're tempted by these messages to get the most out of life, think about it. Where are you being challenged on a consistent basis to add to the life of someone next to you? A married to, a friend, in a work situation. Where are you hearing the message that you were created to contribute? In fact, you were actually designed, not just created and called, but designed and prepared to serve. To make an addition to the life that you're living, where you're living. In fact, this tendency to take... Is, is so central throughout the, the story of the Gospels with Jesus, because you'll see again and again, Jesus is trying to help. You know, his, here you have this guy living before you who is serving all the time. His, his life is about others. And yet, he's constantly with these 12 guys that he's brought along with him, is talking to them about, about what it means to give. How many times can you, as you read through the Gospels, you overhear a conversation where these couple disciples are arguing about, you know, who's going to sit in one place and who's going to get what, and, and because of what they've been done, they're looking for what the remuneration compensation will be for the sacrifice and things they're making. And, and we have that recorded a couple different times. Mark 9.33, at one point, Jesus just turns around and looks at them, and he says to these 12 guys, whoever wants to be the greatest must be a servant of all. 
Now, you have to understand that when that conversation is being recorded a few times in the gospel story, I mean, just going through it, you'll see it a few times, that conversation probably occurred more than just those couple times. And, and, and so as you go on, Mark 9 says, Jesus says, whoever wants to be the greatest must be a servant of all. You just go to Mark 10, and, and there's another occasion. In fact, it's this final walk towards Jerusalem. Jesus has set his face, it says in Scripture, like flint. The word that's used in the New International Version is resolved. That he's going to go to Jerusalem, and he knows that in Jerusalem, he's not just going to come and, and show up and teach a bit. He's going to actually serve in such a way that his very life will be put on a cross, and he will serve in this sacrificial way. And he's pressing towards that, and as they're walking along, the conversation comes up again about what they're going to get. And so finally, Jesus turns him at this time, and he says, whoever wants to become great, if you really want significance, if you really want to make a difference, if you really want a sense of reward where God says, well done, great and faithful servant, good and faithful servant, he, he says here, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You and I were created and designed, and are prepared, as Jody shared in her story, to serve. You were put on earth not merely to consume, but contribute. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, he says it this way, God has created us for the life of good deeds, which he has already prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that. This week, do you know that where you're at with regard to someone you deeply love or maybe where you are working in a paid situation or whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a retired person, I don't care, non-paid, where you are contributing, do you know that God has prepared occasions, opportunities for you to contribute and reach into someone else's life by serving? That was prepared in advance. And in a sense, he's asking us, and he says in the scripture, understand that this is how God has created you. He's called you to serve, but he's also prepared you to serve. In fact, the oldest book in the Bible, if you, one of the oldest books is Job. People don't realize that Job is one of the oldest books. If you look at the, the, the structure of the language and some of the um, background of that, you'll find that Job was written um, very early around the patriarchs and, and possibly in, in that time period. And Job is this guy who's got this incredible life and he's got his, you know, his wife and family and they're flourishing and they're, the work is going well and he's wealthy and all these good things are happening and then all of a sudden his, life, his whole life is rocked. These catastrophic changes come in. He loses his wife and his children and he experiences the loss of all his wealth and, and he's trying to figure it out. It's this kind of in... I remember I took this in, in 12th grade in my high school um, secular high school course, the teacher taught on this and said this is one of the first existential books around class. And, and she, nothing spiritual about it, but she was just teaching. And, and, and because it asked the great question of why? Why am I here? And um, it was kind of neat in 12th grade to have a teacher would even do that. But anyway, I, I read in Job chapter 10, verse 8, here is Job wrestling with some other counselors, friends, who are no help to him, really. And then all of a sudden, at one point, he's in conversation with God, and he makes this statement. He says, God, your hands have shaped and made me. Like this potter with clay, you shaped and you made me. You made me this vessel, and I don't understand what's going on in my life. But he makes the next, his next question is, are you going to now cast me aside, kind of destroy me? But he got something really clear. 
God had prepared and designed him and shaped him to serve him. A thousand years later, David, he's another person who figured out that life was about serving God and serving others. He cries out in prayer to God in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. He says, you created my inmost being. God, I recognize you as an incredible artist who created me and all about me. You knit me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And finally, Paul, who's climbing this ladder of success, you just read in Philippians chapter 3, he'll give you all his merits and all the great things he had in his life. And at a certain point, he goes, you know what? All that good stuff that I was trying to gain and get, I finally threw in the garbage because I understood what it meant for a God who loves me, who gave himself for me so that I could give to others. He makes this radical change. And so he says at one point in a letter to those people in, in Rome, the 12th chapter after a whole bunch of theological doctrine and study, now he begins to apply it in chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and I'm going to read verse 5 as well. And I'm going to read it from the message because I love the gist of this. The way he says it, I think he says it well. He writes to these followers in Rome. He says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping and eating and going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. When you wake up tomorrow morning, imagine yourself waking up and saying, God, this everyday, ordinary life that I'm about to move into Would you change my me-first mindset, my consumer-driven, tempted, spoken-into, bombarded-with-all-this-stuff mindset, and would you begin to place in me a heart that wants to contribute, that wants to serve? Right now, I just kind of stop this day, even before I get out of bed, and I just say, here, I'm, I'm an offering to you. And then he goes on and he says embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. As you begin to just notice and watch for God throughout that day, it's how Jesus lived. When he saw God kind of working or opening up an opportunity, he just kind of moved into it. Because he knew that his life, his identity was to serve. And so then as he moves into that, he goes on, he says, don't become so well-adjusted. See, here's the bombardment of the culture, to your, to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. And I love that. You'll be changed from the inside out. It, there's this idea that, that, that if you're like me, I mean, I, I have to tell you, when I hear a message, like we talk about, you know, everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, anything's possible, and Joe talked about anything's possible, my, my immediate thought is, God, anything's possible. change this thing out here. If you, just cha- if you just did this, things would be good. Anybody relate to that? It's always about, God, I mean, I'm going to embrace what you're doing today, but if you change this, things are great. If you could, you know, if that person who sits in the carol next to me or in that office, if that, if that person would just, whatever. And you know what the anything possible message is more about more often than anything? It's about God coming internally into your heart. It's as you wake up that day and say, God, I'm an offering for you, and God, I'm going to invite you into that, and I'm going to step into these things, and I'm going to let you begin to change me in here in the way that I respond to these things, because you have the power to change my very character. 
But you know what? We so often, if you're like me, you live more like a thermometer and you are more adjusted by the temperature of the climate and the culture and the things around you than you are actually regulated like a thermostat, which the Spirit of God, who is given to you as a gift, can begin to set in your heart. And you have the impact through your serving God to actually change the environment and culture where you live, in your home, everywhere. And I love that. This is what he says. When I look at this, this series, I just want to say, I serve. How do we improve the way we serve others? Well, I'll tell you, one of them is beginning to understand that anything's possible. And the most possible thing that God can do is for you, through your will, to open your life, to let him change internally what's going on so that you begin to become the kind of person that creates a difference in the world that you're living in. This is not just about coming for a Sunday and putting in some time and coming away emotionally moved. Because if you're like me, you'll be emotionally moved, but you, you, you know, it's so easy to lose it, right? It's learning how to live in a way where there's anything possible. God gets in and begins to change what's inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. When you see it, jump into serving. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Remember? It's a consume, consume, get, buy. What can I get out of this? What's this relationship doing for me? What's it, what, he's saying, what does it look like for you? God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. That's what he's desiring to do. And then he goes on for just a moment. He makes a statement in verses 3 and 4. He talks about um, the body, that we are like, you know, we have eyes and ears, and every one of us are a certain part of the body. And the body works well when these different parts work well. So that he says, So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts, fearfully and wonderfully made, in Christ's body, I love this, the way he puts this, let's just go ahead and be what we are made to be. Just find your fit. Find your fit. Find out how God has specifically been preparing you and designing you and shaping you to fit into the places where he has put you, where you are, and find that fit and let God work with you through that specific fit. You've been shaped for a purpose. God has designed each one of us here uniquely with a special expertise to contribute to the world that we are in, the place that you are. So here's the fundamental question that I, I really want to ask. And, and for me, in some ways, it was, in preparing a message like this, I always want to creatively pull some things together, but I just thought, you know what? You can't improve on some things. Like Rick Warren and there's some other groups that have come up with a, a way that they teach that I think is really just important. Some of you have heard this. So if you've heard this, um, maybe this will challenge you in some ways in a new way. But I just want to use the word SHAPE, the acronym SHAPE. Because the way you fit is based on the way that God has shaped you. And God has prepared beforehand, not only planned beforehand, opportunities for you to actually fit in and shape well into for his purposes, but he's actually shaped you individually ahead of time for that. So we're going to look at that. And, and, and the word shape involves, in, a, in, these, uh, in this an acronym way, the words S-H-A-P-E, spiritual gifts, he has shaped you with spiritual gifts, heart desires, abilities, personality, and experience. 
In those five ways, they come together to help form and shape you in a specific way. And I'm going to go through some questions, and I'm going to ask you to kind of, as I go through each of these five questions around this, to answer yes or no, and maybe add a few things that might, if it's a yes, you can say, yes, I know this, and no, you know, maybe you don't know, and that's something to take... uh, Take note of, because I want you to kind of create your own, what I call, personalized fit list, okay? Now, I don't know if any of you have um, ever, at one point, saw, like, a pair of shoes that you really liked, and thought they were nice, and and they looked good, and and, and they were cool, and and you thought, I want them, and you tried them on, they didn't fit just exactly right, but they're just kind of what you wanted, and so you put them on, and you wear them, and they kind of rub you wrong in the wrong way. They just don't fit well. They're not shaped well to your feet. Anybody done that before? Okay, there's a few. And, and, you know, and some of these people with more engineering minds are sitting there going, why would you ever do that? Well, your shoes never look that great. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> you know I'm kidding. Anyway. But when you wear those, you don't, they don't fit well. They don't fit your shape well. And so they, they, you just don't, you know, you don't do well what you were created to do. As it says here when, when, when Paul makes this kind of statement that, that, again, in the message, Peterson kind of paraphrased, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be. Because if you kind of settle into this is how God has created you, you understand that shape, it will really help a lot in life. And all of life from a lot of people is about finding that out more fully. So the first thing I want to ask you is, have you discovered your spiritual gifts? Yes or no? And if yes, maybe list a couple if you know what those are. Because God has prepared and shaped you with spiritual gifts so that you can serve. Every believer, and here's the thing that's important to understand, the Word of God says that when a person comes to a relationship where they have opened their life to God, I don't know how you come to that place of experience, but it usually involves this, an understanding of your need, an understanding of your smallness, your humility, an understanding that your sin, that the things you do, that you're not perfect, that you have sinned, that your sin has offended God and hurt God, and there's a wrath that will be paid for that, there's a judgment against that, there's a relationship that's are destroyed as a result of your sin. I don't know, just being married is enough for me to know that I can destroy my relationship from time to time. And when that happens, it involves this incredible gift that like, my, my wife will give me, which is a gift called forgiveness. And sometimes I go, I don't know how many times I'm just so glad that she knows the overwhelming forgiveness of God because she needs it for the overwhelming forgiveness of me. There is this sense that when you come to know that and you walk in that and you understand that and you live in that, one of this wonderful thing happens, God places his Holy Spirit into your heart. And when that Holy Spirit comes into your heart, the Holy Spirit has far more to give you than, than most people, I think, even realize potentially in their life. Wouldn't it be really cool if all of us said, with the Holy Spirit within us, we want you to fill us all the time, every day. We want to realize the potential in my life every day. I want to understand everything about you. Well, good luck. He's eternal. He's infinite. But you know what? He gives you a gift. He places in your heart a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is a part of your shape. And getting to understand and know what that is important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 12, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate, they come from God's spirit. God's various expressions of power and action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. And the variety is wonderful. All these gifts have a common origin but are handed out by one and 
one by the same Spirit. He decides who gets what and when. So every believer is given a spiritual gift. So I just want to share with a few things around spiritual gifts. First is this, you don't earn it. It's not a matter of that you deserve it or you put in your time and then finally God says, oh good, I'll give you one. The moment you receive Christ, you are given a spiritual gift. Now it's your job to discover what it is or what they are. Second thing is you don't get to choose them. We're told in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, the Spirit of God gives to each person just as he determines. He is the one that determines that. What I think is interesting, the way I help people understand spiritual gifts, I think of it in this way. Just think of yourself like a plumber who is coming in to serve someone. A plumber has a bag of tools, a bag of gifts, you could say, and often what he'll do is he may use a certain, like, wrench, I'm not a plumber, so you're all going to know. Well, he uses you know, a couple tools that he's really gifted and uses a lot, and he's good at it. But there may be times he's got to pull out a certain kind of tool because he's got to do something, maybe with a hammer and a nail or something like that, but that's not his primary tool. The reality is that God gives us some gifts that really are ours, that are, we're, familiar, we're comfortable with, and they're spiritual gifts, in, in that they're used in, in a, a, often in our life. But then what you need to be aware, just like this plumber's bag, there are times because we are servants, we'll be in a situation and God goes, you know what, you may have the gift of mercy, but right now I, want to, I, I really want to desire through you this gift of, of encouragement or I'm, I'm kind of placing your hands in a situation. I may give you a, as it says in, these, in 1 Corinthians um, 12, some spiritual gifts, some, some what would almost have a more supernatural ability. They may give you a word of knowledge or a wisdom and you may have a picture of something on your head and God puts it there and you say something and like, you know, I just was, this came to my mind. The person goes, whoa. And then they kind of share with you a story or something. God works in ways. He gives us each specific gift. Not one person has every gift. We don't have all of them, but we all have gifts that we're somewhat comfortable that he uses, and then we have to be open in settings where you work and where you live because there are times that he may just place something else in your hand to use for him. There may be times that you may not be great at, at administration and you may have the gift of serving, but there may be a season or a situation where you've got to use a gift and he gives you that. And so you have these gifts that you don't choose, but God distributes them. Your gift is unique. It it fits exactly how God has shaped you. In fact, it says God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. And then your gift is meant for others. You know, your gift isn't meant to bring glory to yourself, to bring attention to yourself. Your gift is always meant to benefit others. It's to contribute. You don't even use your gifts to consume. So Job says, you have prepared and you have shaped me. And one of the ways he does that is through spiritual gifts which coincide with heart desires. So I ask you a second question. Have you listened to your heart desires? Do you know your heart's desires? What are some of those heart's desires? Could you list a few? The Bible uses the term heart to describe a number of things. It talks about desires, hopes, interests, ambitions, and dreams. Your heart reflects your deepest motivations. Another way of asking this question is is to ask yourself, what drives you? Your heart actually reveals you. Your heart determines why you say what you say and why you do what you do. It, it, It is what both physically your heart pumps life into you and spiritually often pumps life into you. And so you have to ask yourself, what are some of those dreams? What are some of those interests? 
Have you ever heard someone say, maybe you've heard them say to you, you know, you walk to the beat of a different drummer. Ever thought that about someone? Anybody? Well, you really do. Do you know that your heart has a unique pattern print to it? Do you know that all the millions of people that have lived, your fingerprints, your eye prints, your voice prints, even your heart has a specific kind of print that is uniquely yours? There is a sense that God has placed desires in your heart, and those desires with those spiritual um, gifts, and, and then with, as we will talk about our abilities, and with these personality temperaments, along with this, uh, the experiences of our life, all form to make us incredibly unique beings, and you and you alone are called to fulfill the space you're in so that you and you alone can contribute what God needs to contribute in that situation. Do you ever kind of go, you know, I'm at work or I'm in a place and you kind of go, you know, what am I here for? Don't let yourself be fooled. You are uniquely placed in that place for God to do something for you. I don't know what it is. You may not know until eternity, but God has done that. Every person has this unique heartbeat. And God is placed in you in a unique heartbeat. So have you looked at people? Sometimes a person will be just, you know, you're maybe with some friends and this friend just devours the Wall Street Journal. And you're going, man, the, last, I, the first thing I want to look at is the sports page. You know what I mean? You, you notice how you, you have just different interests? And, and, and it, some persons will look at you know, certain things or they'll be involved in certain things. And, and one person just is fascinated by numbers and another person is by art. And you have all these different personalities. You know, something that interests you just you know, bores someone else. That's kind of your heart. And that's that heart desire. And you need to pay attention to those things. They're, 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 in a sense, clues that show you about who you are and how you've been uniquely patterned with that heartbeat. The, the third thing I want you to think about is, are you applying God-given ability? So if you look at your heartbeat and you say, what are some of those drives? What are the things? Am I, am I aware of them? Do I know them? Am I, am I moving into those things? Then the, second, the third thing is, are you applying what I would call God-given abilities? And abilities are natural abilities. I kind of call them more natural talents than I would call them spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, it can, they can sometimes coincide, but often they may not. You may have a person who's incredibly gifted, maybe uh, and sings in, in a classical style or sings in a contemporary style, whatever it is, and this person has this incredible precision and ability to sing, and they do it really well, and in a sense you're moved. But if someone else comes along, and they maybe not be as precise and, and anything else, but somehow when you hear them sing, your spirit is just impacted. You ever have that? That's a spiritual gift. Now, abilities are kind of things that you do that, that, that are good things, that, that have impact, but they're more what I just call natural abilities. In fact, in the Old Testament, when God created the tabernacle, he came to Moses and said, and here's God using a natural ability to create an environment. He says, see, I've chosen Bezal, Bezalel. Do you want to say that with me? Bezalel? No, okay. Um, son of your, son of her, of the tribe of Judah, and I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and engage in all kinds of crafts. God brings these natural abilities together. I had lunch with um, this summer with Wayne and Carmen Hagstrom, and some of you know the Hagstroms have been in their congregation for many years, and, and, and it was just fun to be with them. And, and, and he started showing me 
all these things that he has made with his hands. And then he showed me pictures of things that he has made throughout the years for different productions and, and, and plays or different things that have here occurred in the church. And I just went, wow, how cool how he has used that ability in, in ways that has really encouraged people. The Bible says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever your ability, use it to, the, to point people to Jesus. So whether it's artistic or architectural or design or writing or editing or gardening or baking or cooking or organized sports teams or selling marketing, uh, selling or marketing or, or any of those things, we can use them to serve God. In fact, it actually says, the Bible even says, with regard to the ability to create wealth, some people are, you know, they just create wealth. God says at one point, don't forget the Lord your God, for it is he, listen to this, who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Even that. Now, the spiritual gift of that is giving. Okay? Whatever your ability, it is a part of God's way of shaping you. And God prepares you in these ways. He gives you spiritual gifts. He gives you heart desires, he gives you abilities, and then he gives you a personality. Uh, and your personality, um, God wants to use. So I just want to ask you, are you using your personality well? Maybe another way to say it, do you understand your temperament first? And then do you use that temperament and that personality in a way that it fits well with the shape that God has made you? If you don't know that, it's important to know that. In fact, we have a class that we just finished up this last hour, um, it's going on right now in the 1045 hour, that's called Finding Your Fit. And we're going to use, we're going to again give it this um, in the, in sometime this spring. And I want to encourage you, if you're answering no to some of these things and you don't know, this is a great way to begin to understand. There's tools they give you and questions and they help you work through it. So as you go through this, you go, what's my temperament? David writes, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. We're God's unique, one-of-a-kind creations. Your personality is unique. God has wired you in a way for a purpose that you alone in this universe are able to express. In fact, you know that your DNA is, is this incredibly complex chain of stuff. So you who are scientists, forgive me for that, but that's uh, my definition. And we're told that from... It, they have this infinite, almost infinite number of ways that they can be connected. In fact, it's 10 to the 2 billion, 400 millionth power. So if you take all those little zeros about an inch wide and you were to put them right next to each other, it would take a strip of paper 37 miles long to fill that out. And in a sense, what God is saying, I have all these endless combinations to form you and to make you. And so your personality, your temperament is something I have crafted. You see, every one of these, you see how God is coming along and saying, you are made just the way you are because I want you to contribute. I want to see you begin to give in ways that not just you come away going, I'm exhausted, then something's not right. In ways where you come away and go, this is what God had made me to do. There's just a variety of people when you think of DNA. Look, I want you to just take a moment because we, we recognize that, you know, there are people who sort by what I call sameness and people that sort by difference. So I want you to turn and just look at the different people around here, okay? Just, just take a look at them, okay? Now what's happening is if you sort by sameness, you probably go, yeah, they got an eye, a couple of eyes, hopefully, um, a nose, mouth, some ears, and you kind of go, yeah, we all kind of look the same. But for some people, they look and they go, wow, they got a beard and their hair's kind of out of place and, you know, whatever, whatever's going on. 
And you see the differences. Isn't that cool that God creates us that way? There's enough sameness so that we can actually connect, but there's enough variety in order for us to be able to connect in such a way that we create this incredible work of God knitting us all together in ways that we can contribute and we do contribute to one another. So knowing your personality and temperament is so important because it actually will help you to know how and where to serve. Okay, It will help you know how and where to serve. For instance... Um, it's kind of funny this morning with Jody. Um, this, this is not something she's excited about doing. This was one of those, I'm going to step out and I'm going to let God use me in a way that I'm not necessarily gifted in using my gifts and abilities. Um, just the opposite, though. Um, some of you know Natasha Farhart. She came a few weeks back and she was dressed up in a Starbucks outfit and she did the announcements. And she did the announcement for the trunk or treat that was coming up on the next Saturday. And, and so on that next Saturday, we had like a thousand some people come through. And it was this incredible ministry to our community. And Natasha's car was next to mine. And I said to Natasha, I said, Natasha, you're doing the announcements on this next year. And I was kind of kidding because we did this incredibly, this Facebook announcement, this social kind of media thing that was really helpful in it. But I was, I was kidding. And I said, how, by the way, Natasha, how did that go for you? And she goes, you know, I was a little bit nervous, but boy, it was fun. Okay, now that, that tells me something about her personality type. Because if she said, oh, I was a little nervous, oh, that was horrible, I don't want to do that again. I'm sure not going to want her to do announcements again, right? Because I don't want to put her in a place she doesn't fit. You know, you have to understand, you know, some people are extroverted, some people are introverted, some people are choleric and melancholy and sanguine. And you have all these different things. Some are feelers, some are sensors, some are intuitives, you know, and you, you get all these different kind of types, and if you understand a bit who you are, you're going to know where you should be placed, because if you're the kind of person that doesn't like being up front, you might want to be the kind of person that likes to be behind the scenes. In fact, I always want to try and encourage and give honor to those who are behind the scenes, but they're the hardest people to do that for. You know why? Don't do that. It's the last thing I want you to do. I asked Natasha when I saw her there, which confirmed to me that she likes being in in an extroverted kind of position. I said, Natasha, I might just call you out today, and I didn't even ask you about it. And she goes, oh, that's fine. That's great. So you need to know your, your personality temperament and then your experiences. God has allowed you to experience life, and that life experience has been meant to be used in the lives of others. Paul writes to the community of believers in Corinth in, in this city, in this place called Greece, in this city Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. So you have this picture of God comforting us so that we can comfort those in any trouble. Catch this with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So um, Thursday night, we have this evening of remembrance, and some people have said, we, we just, we have, there are people who have lost family members, and, and, and they've gone through that trial and that experience, and they know with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming up that it's like a huge spotlight. You sit at the table and, and the one person you used to love and laugh and they were there because they would say something that was thankful isn't going to be there. And as Christmas comes, they come and, and it just feels a little bit empty. And many times a lot empty. 
And it's so cool to be in a community where people go, you know, I've had this experience, I've gone through this, and I want to do something to bring my experience with who I am around some people who are going through the same thing. God has done specific things in your life through experiences he has taken you through. Some of you have lost a job and you know the fear. And there's people here who have lost your job and they need someone to come around them. Some of you have known the struggle of being turned down by getting in, trying to get into a college or maybe into a workplace and you've experienced a rejection and there are people who are going through that. Some of you have raised children and your moms and you understood how thankless and how sometimes it just felt like you are just alone and you don't have enough time and you're always tired and there are moms who need your experience around them to say, guess what, I made it, <laughs> right? I don't know what it is, but God has shaped you and one of the greatest shapes he's placed in you is an experience that you have had and he wants to combine your spiritual gifts, he wants to take your heart desires, he wants to take some of those abilities, he wants to use your personality, he doesn't want you to be in a place where you shouldn't be, he wants to use all these things and he combines these experiences so that you can be no longer just a consumer falling to the culture's call to say, take in, take in, get, get, buy, experience, live life, get more. And I'm not saying it's wrong to enjoy life. We're called to enjoy life, but we're called to find the greatest enjoyment of life is by taking our very life and the shape that we are in and, and using it in ways to impact others. Now, I'm just going to give you a couple coaching tips, and I'm going to have the worship team. In fact, they can come in right now if they're out here. Um, here's a couple coaching tips that are really important. The first one is I just want to share with you that finding your fit takes time. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. There are few savants in the world. There are, are few people that are like Tiger Woods or Serena Williams or Bill Gates or Taylor Swift, who, you know, the, the person who, who's been playing the violin since two years of age, right? Most people, through time, through taking courses like we're going to offer, through those different life experiences, begin to understand who they are and they find their fit. So if you're in that place, don't be discouraged. God is using things in your life to help you understand your shape. The other thing that's really important, here's a tip that I'm going to share with you. Finding your fit doesn't just take time. Finding your fit takes both trial and error. It means you have to try. It means if you are wondering, what am I to do? I grab one of these serving sheets and just try something for a short period of time because what God does is he places other people around you when you're serving there and sometimes they can see better than you can where God might want to use you and the only way you get moved is if you're moving. I had a friend say to me once, God doesn't move parked cars. What? God doesn't move parked cars. And then I finally, you know, I didn't, I just thought about it, I go, oh, if you're in park, it's hard to move a car. But if you're in neutral or even moving, God can steer and direct that car. And that's where I say it takes trial and error. Don't expect awesome. Someday you're going to take a course and you're going to have this aha experience. Begin to get your feet wet. And then the last thing is do it with humility. Um, I talked last week about the obscurity, the hidden years of Jesus. Jesus from 1 to 30, from 15 to 30 specifically, served in this just kind of what I would call very ordinary role of taking over the position of being the head of the house and caring for the family, right? 
And he did it with just humility. So as you do trial and error, I just tell you, you know what? Step in with humility. It may be in a place of obscurity. God always knows if he's going to promote you where it should be because he might have things he wants you to learn right there in that experience that is going to be used in ways that fit better with your shape. So I just challenge you. This week, as you think through your shape, say, God, get me moving and help me think about contributing, adding life with those that are around me right where I'm at.